Welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. Today we are on episode 92 and we are telling Carmel Claremont's story. Carmel is a Haitian woman who was raised by her aunt in Haiti. She joined her parents in the U.S. when she was 15 and she went on to finish high school and college. She married and then basically adopted 300 kids through serving their orphanages. She said, quote, what is the purpose of life if you live it just for yourself, unquote. So tune in today. Join us for our discussion about her origin story, about teaching sex education, about child prostitution that these kids in Haiti are up against, about educating the kids, the importance of the schooling to give them a chance, about microloans for single moms, about the Claremont Care Center and what she's doing in her life to help give these kids a chance. Basically, tune in for Carmel's story of changing lives by the way she chooses to live her life. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Caramel, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. How are you today? Hello, Laurie. How are you doing today? <laughs> awesome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to hear your story. So I want to start from the very beginning. Where are you from and why were you raised by your aunt? Like what part of Haiti are you from and what's the whole story? Give us the, the background. Um, actually, I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Um, I was the first child of the family in my father's side. And I was the second child for my mom. In My mom was a school teacher. So even though she was a school teacher, the life was very hard for her. Why? So, because <laughs> I guess it was not, right now, people in Haiti are getting $2 per day. But I guess back then in 1971, it must have been 30 cents or 50 cents. Mm. So she could not afford to take care of both of us. And um, my grandma and my aunt. They were, um, they took me because my father was still in high school. Wow. How old, how old was your mom? My, my mom was already all grown teaching high school and yeah. Oh, she had a thing with one of her students? Not really her student, <laughs> the guy, the boy next door that was helping her. <laughs> the story starts off so juicy. Yes. <laughs> and here I come, a lot of people for a long time denied the fact that they were together. Mm. They said, oh, no, I don't think she will be with him because he's so young and things like that. And Miss Claudette is all that, you know. Yeah. So guess what? Nine months later, I was born. Did they end up getting married? No. Mm. But they stayed together for a long time. And... um. And so your, your grandmother and your aunt took you then, and did they bring you, or they just took you away from your mom? 
No, I just, um, my mom will come to the house. Okay. Yeah, she always came to the house. Okay. Um, beautiful tall woman walking in. And I didn't, I didn't understand the whole situation. I really don't understand why I was calling. For a long time, I was calling my grandma mom. And I called my mom by her name. Mm. And um, I couldn't put it together until I was nine, ten years old. Yeah. Sure. So how did that affect your childhood? Do you have a happy childhood? I had a beautiful childhood because I was the first child uh, that was born in the family. So I was like... Uh, everybody's love <laughs> yes love me and stuff like that but um when i become a teenager that changed because i wanted i wanted my mom mm. i wanted my mom just like everyone else so um and at that point your mom had what come to the united states yes she did um she traveled and she came to the u.s and then um she started, uh, she opened her own business. Uh, she bought a, a four apartment building in New York. Wow. And they sent for her. Mm-hmm, and they sent for us. So we came. Um, so when I came, my mother, she would, she didn't, she didn't have a green card when I came. She didn't so, have a what? A green card. Oh, okay. Okay. So she was an illegal immigrant. Because her visa already expired. Okay. So I came here and I lived the same way for a long time. Illegally. Illegally. My my uh, visa expired. I stay here, but I didn't even know anything about that either. I didn't know what what what, what a visa was. Uh, all I know that I was living with my parents in the U.S. and I was happy going to high school and everything. When you were living with your parents, was that your your high school age dad, he moved here with your mom? No, my, my mom got him married. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So then they moved here, and she was able to buy real estate without being a citizen? No, she was not a citizen. But she could buy real estate? Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was like that. Uh, so they did buy the house, the, the building, and... Um, and did you ever, yeah, did you ever get hassled or anything for being illegal? Were there any um, legal ramifications? No, actually, um, that was never mentioned. I didn't even know I was. <laughs> I didn't know I was. I didn't know I was until I graduated high school. Um, then I understand that I needed certain papers, and then I start asking questions. And then at, the, at that time, they, they were given an amnesty. And then my mom signed up for the amnesty. So my mom was waiting for her green card. When my mom had her green card, then she became a citizen. Then she gave me my green card. So after I, the moment I had my green card, I can tell you, I just ran to the university. I just... <laughs> I just run and sign up. I think my sister and I did the same thing. And uh, <laughs> we signed up for school and I graduated uh, the first time I had my associate. Um, what did you study? I had uh, an associate in computer science. And uh, So what was, what was the hardest thing about that? You know, so far we're kind of talking about just the, the timeline, but 
all of these are are really interesting things. Emotionally, how was this playing out on you? Um, when I find, because I wanted to go to Columbia University. Oh, wow. And I, and I wanted to be a doctor. Cool. So when I learned that I could not go to university, I was very, very depressed. I was very discouraged. I mean, I didn't know where to start. And... Um, I didn't know, I really didn't know where to start because I have been here and um, really New York, this is what I know because I came as a teenager and I cannot make my dreams come true. I had so much barriers and as you can see, I still have an accent. Yes, you do, a beautiful accent. (laughs) And I cannot get rid of it. I don't think it's going to go away after. And she, and she has this beautiful, beautiful brown skin. She's a beautiful woman. She's got, um, what do you call this on your head? A tur- turban? The turbans I wear. I wear a lot of scarves. Yes, lots of scarves and beautiful yeah. lips. And She's quite a striking woman. Thank you so much. You're so sweet, Laurie. Mm. <laughs> The minute I had my, my, my green card, so I signed up for school, I graduated, I bought my first home in Florida, and I started traveling back to Haiti. And once again, I remembered what I left behind. Um, the girls next door, how I used to snack food in the back and to give to other kids and things like that. But... From the beginning, since I was a child, my aunt always was um, the type of person that do a lot of charity. She did a lot of charity, so she always take me to church, and we we go serve the homeless, which is a, it's a lot, and we do that. I do that all my life as a child. So, so this was over in Haiti, um, and yes. she just raised you like that, serving other Haitians. Yes. So it was part of my life. And then when my mom has a green card, she opened her own home and she, she turned it into a clinic because she, then she went to school here and become a nurse. Mm. She was the head nurse at, at, at Bookdale Hospital in New York. So she did that and she opened her home as a clinic and then she was feeding 150 kids. Wow. How'd she do that? From her paycheck. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just kids off the street or from um, an orphanage or what? No, it is the community kids. You just, what what's going on in Haiti? You can enter a lot of communities that will have poor kids. Mm-hmm. But wasn't she feeding them in New York where she was at? Or she no, was? she was doing that in Haiti. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm the one that feed a lot of homeless here and I used to do it in Florida and I'm still doing it. I I constantly help. This is what Claremont Care Center is all about. We constantly help people um, get back to the workforce. We help them do their resume and do the job search and things like that. When did you establish that? And tell us a little bit about it. Um, I would say Claremont Care Center started back in 2000. But I, I start doing it again here, I think um, 2013, 
that's when I start, um, when I moved back to Utah, I started doing it. And then uh, someone was telling me and one of my friends, they were like, Kamel, you really need to get this, legalize it and stuff because you you are doing it all the time. Your kids are involved in everything. So I went and go and did the 501c3 and I, you know, I did all the process that was necessary, but this is something that I've been doing for a long time. So you made it an official nonprofit. Nonprofit, yes. And and is it an actual place? Is the care center a place that people come to, or is it just? That's, that's what I hope some someday. Okay. This is what I dream of. I would like it to be somewhere that people can come and apply for work, um, drop the kids for a couple of hours so that they can go to get counseling, get therapy, therapeutic care, you know, and things like that. That's, that's okay. So, so what happened to you in your story that made you um, want to start associating with the, with the orphanages over there? Cause you do quite a bit with them over in Haiti. As I understand it, you donate quite a bit and you do some teaching. Tell us a little bit about how that started and why and what you're doing over there. With the orphanages, I had friends. And then that's how I met my husband now, too. So my husband was a director of an orphanage. And his brother has one. So we start going there, helping. And um, then I learn about all the problems they were having. And I stay there and I, I stay with the kids a lot. So I know when they bring kids, what the situation is. So I start being like a liaison kind of case manager doing things like that and um it is one of my passion it is something that i <laughs> it's my heart though <laughs> it's my it's my heart it makes me happy i even my boss here knows like in five months i have to go <laughs> how often do you go to haiti i try to go at least three times a year and but sometimes i made it like twice Okay, and you you take stuff to them, and as far you teach classes, don't you? Yes, I teach a lot of classes. I try to um, because a lot of our kids they um part of our church, uh, the LDS church. So we try to uh, teach them the law of chastity and things like that, because some of them are getting very old. They're like fifteen, sixteen, and uh, and we also have a lot of babies. So it is something extremely important that we teach them. So you're teaching them sex ed classes? Yes, sex ed class and things like that. I was speaking with someone once who was um, had been over in Africa working with the orphanages. And they said that it was pretty common that, you know, it, it's open air because it's so warm. So there weren't really walls and things um, or doors. And that during the nights, it was pretty common that men from the area would just come in and rape the children. And they it was just sort of a way of life that was almost expected. Is it th- that way in Haiti also with the children that are in the orphanages? Okay. Um, the two orphanages that I'm close to, they really have big walls. They build big walls. The children are, there's a lot of people really they try to make it secure for the kids. They have lots of space to play inside. Um, they're not exposed outside all by themselves. They go, they drive them to school and things like that. So our children, I will say, 
are more protected toward those kind of violence. But if outside in the community, living in Haiti, they, we have what they call the child prostitution. It's hard. It's even hard to mention. It is something that breaks my heart each time I talk about it. Um, you will find children that will sleep with someone that they're not supposed to be sleeping with, or the person not supposed to be sleeping with them. <laughs> and um, they will do things like that just for a little bit of money, maybe two, three dollars. And they end up with a kid. And that child usually are the children that we end up with. Mm. You know, I can see how with you, that you teaching them, having a program to teach them sex ed is ultimately really, really important because I imagine if nobody takes the time to teach them that they don't understand, you know, how everything works and what consequences, you know, certain actions will bring. And, um, you know, if you're just following natural urges or this is a way that you can make money, then you engage in sex and then all of a sudden you end up with children coming out of that. And, you know, that's life changing and huge. And especially for these, you know, younger girls to have to deal with that at such a young age, um, that sex education would be huge to help them understand their bodies and, and what they're up against. Yes, we on, on not only we teach them sex education, but we also have the single mom. Mm. Mostly I focus on sponsorship for the children to return back to school and things like that, but we also have the single mom. What do you teach the single moms? Single moms, usually we try to um, teach, to give them like a microloan. Oh. Mm-hmm. For school? If microloan for them to sell something, get a business, mm. so that they can take care of their own children. This way their children do, don't end up in the nursing home. I mean, in the orphanage. That's huge. So helping them to keep their own kids. themselves. Yeah. Yeah, keep their own kids. And then we, we helped them. Um, we will start sometimes by giving them a microloan and uh, try to get the child sponsorship to go to school because we have a lot of 12-year-olds that never been in school. And so so where, do, where do you get the money for that? Sponsors. I have uh, people that sponsor some kids. And uh, what, I, what I work for... <laughs> My family, <laughs> a lot of it goes <laughs> goes to Haiti. Um, a lot of it go to, goes to Haiti. What can I say? Um, of, of the money that you make? Yes, the money that I work here. And um, even my job here, it's like, uh, it's something that I was blessed with. Mm-hmm. It's, I work with the community. I help with mental health as a case manager, so it is a blessing. It's not even work, because that's my that's my heart. <laughs> so you do the same thing here in the United yes. States that you yes. actually do over in Haiti. Yes. Oh, that's yes. beautiful. Yeah, that is a blessing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for you, kind of a really beautiful setup that you have opportunities to do what your heart wants to do no matter yes, where you're I at. Know. That was a blessing when I got hired. I was jumping up and down. <laughs> So tell me some stories of the kids over there. What is their life like? These children have their fingerprint in my life. It's hard for me each time I go and I meet a, I'm, 
a lot of the kids will say things like, are you my mom? Mm. Especially if they're new and stuff, they don't know me. And they will say, are you my mom? And the other one will say, no, she's not. She's Auntie Carmel. She's not your mom. And then some of them will just stay by your door until you come out and then said, are you going to go with me? Because they want their own mommy, you know? And so we have a lot of children waiting for their mommy to come. You know, my, my sons went over to Haiti. It might even been, have been to one of your orphanages. I don't know. But a couple of years ago, my son did his Eagle Scout project by collecting donations, actually flying over to Haiti yes. and being there. And I have all of these pictures of him with these dark, beautiful Haitian children and they're rocking them and they're reading them books and they're, you know, both of my boys are just playing with them and, and loving them. And it was a very interesting experience for them. But I also remember the big walls, like you were saying, there were big walls all around the orphanage and, and they said they could hear um, a lot of violence outside. outside. Yeah. Right now, even the school, the school we build in is underneath a tent while we spend so much money just to build the wall. So what kind of violence is going on over there? It's politics. It is all about politics. Um, who want to be deputy, who want to, they don't want the president all the time. There's always somebody paying somebody to be in charge of something. And then the population is angry and hungry. Mm. So the walls keep the kids safe as long yes. as they're behind them. Yes, that's the reason why right now I'm, I could have already done a lot with the school, but we are still underneath a tent while I have these big walls up because the, all the money goes to the walls. You have people that sponsor the kids and it's like $30 a month per child. Mm -hmm. And then you get donations from anybody who wants to give them and that money goes down and you're using it to build walls around the areas and then to build the school within them so that basically the, are you building a school or are you building an orphanage? No, I'm building a school. The money that the people sponsor for the kids go directly to those kids. If you sponsor a child for $30, that goes to the school for the child to get a uniform, a hot meal, and pay for the teacher. So that doesn't have anything to do with uh, construction or anything. Okay, where does the money for the construction come from? Money comes from the construction. It's, it's my money, family members, friends that will donate. Sometimes they make donation, and then if, let's say, they donate whatever they donate, $100, whatever, I just said it and I'm like, okay, this is this will buy 10 bags of cement. Mm. Something like that. Yeah, it's one step at a time. Situation. Okay, so you just feel like the most important thing is to get these children educated. So that's where you're focusing. Educated. It's mostly important because the otherwise they become delinquent. If they do not have no education, no backgrounds, nothing to fall back on. So, you know what I love about your story that's so interesting is not only are you creating your own life on purpose, but you are making sure that as you create your life, that you are creating a better life for 
other people around you, for hundreds of other people, for children around you. And that's the creation of your life story. Your life story is this space of creating a better life story for so many other people who can't do this for themselves. And that's really beautiful. So what is the purpose of life if you are just going to live life just for yourself? Mm. I don't think it's worth it because I live through you by watching you smiling. That's make me happy. By knowing that there's a possibility that something can change. Mm. You and I stand together. That is hope. And I live for hope. And I believe in it. What is my purpose of being on this earth if I'm not going to make a change, if I'm not going to make a difference? There's, it doesn't work it. I didn't come here just for my kids, just for my husband. I came here to be part of the world, to be part of something. And that is my purpose here. And I want to be part of that and I want to do it. Um, I love, love that. If there are other people in my audience who are listening that wanted to support what you were doing and help you educate these kids, what are the websites or the links or, you know, how, how could they be supportive of what you're doing? Um, right now, we do have a Claremont, um, a GoFundMe for Claremont Care Center for the construction. And we also uh, have... Where, a, where would they find that? A GoFundMe. Yeah, like, yeah. do they go to Claremont Care Claremont Center? Center. Mm-hmm. And that's a website, ClaremontCareCenter.org. Mm-hmm. And I also have on my, my Facebook is open. It's not locked, it's all open. And I do have a lot of uh, links for people to donate. Uh, if you want to sponsor a child, you can say, I want to sponsor one child or whatever you want. And you can make a difference because if I was waiting for me to have a lot of money to do it, I would never do it. But I see what my $10 do. And yes, my $10 has made a difference on someone else's life. So it, so can you. That's all I'm saying. So it's Claremont, C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T, Care Center. And I will have the links to um, her website, any of those links that are applicable in the show notes. So you can find them there on our website at www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. So Carmel, in finishing up, what advice would you give, just life advice for knowing what you know, seeing what you've seen, what type of words of wisdom would you like to leave off with? Word of wisdom. That's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> I will say uh, <laughs> just when you meet somebody, just remember you you also stra- a stranger to them. So all you need to do is step up and introduce yourself. Then you'll find out that we're already friends. All you need is introduce yourself. You've got to start somewhere, right? Yes. I ran into a gal from my office the other day and in the grocery store. And so I, you know, smacked her on the shoulder and said, Hey, what are you doing? And she said, Hey, we're having dinner over at my house tonight. If you can come, please come. And I did. And I got there and she was, you know, she was going around the, well, I, I got there at the same time somebody else did. It was her neighbors. And they're like, yeah, she's so friendly. She just invites us for dinner every Friday. <laughs> and I, I watched her and, you know, she just kind of did the whole, same thing with the whole neighborhood. And I was so inspired because I thought, you know, a lot of, 
lot of us are afraid or we just don't bother to get out of our comfort zone mm-hmm. and we talk to the people we need to talk to or specifically want to talk to, but we don't in general, you know, flit around the neighborhood inviting people over for Friday night dinner. But it was really cute to watch her. And she was so friendly and open and making the world better in her own way, which was through her enthusiasm and her love for people in general. And I was inspired by that. But it it goes in step with what you were just saying of we're only strangers to each other until we say hello and, and open that door. Yes, just open the door. Thank you. Well, anything else that you want to mention about your work in Haiti, about the kids over there? How much I love them. It is something that I really, it's hard for me to talk about. And I just wanted to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And you know, it is a challenge for me to talk about something like that. Um, The kids, they really need your help. They really need Please do not hesitate and say, oh, $2 is still too much. Remember, somebody in Haiti is getting $2 per day. And because I see when my son decided not to have a birthday party, my seven-year-old, now he's eight. But last year, he decided not to have a birthday party. He said, mom, can we go feed the homeless in Ogden? And then you can send the rest of my money to the kids in Haiti. I was so proud of him. So he knows he can make a difference. That is beautiful. Look at that. You're you're also making this great impact on your children and they're they're learning the same way you did when you grew up. Yes. So it is possible. It is possible. Yeah, by small and simple things, huh? Great things are brought to pass by sometimes just a little bit. And there are so many people like you who are doing really big things, you know, setting up and helping orphanages and traveling all over the world, you know, over to Africa or South America, third world countries, and and making really big impacts. And it feels like almost there's a little bit of pressure to do really big things like this. But I think that Sometimes what it needs is just programs that are already set up, like the one you have set up, just for people to support those. The the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented every time. Every person doesn't have to own a nonprofit. You know, just support the ones that are already doing good. Yes. Because simple things like water, the kids need water. (laughs) Water, drinking water, because so many people die of cholera. Because they can, they do not have drinking water. Right now, I do, we just finished digging a well, and now we have a well. But guess what? We do not have any pump yet. And the community that we are in, we do need a pump. The mm. pump, we need filter, so that these people can get clean water to drink. Well, thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for sharing some of the things that are going on, and thank hopefully you. we can step up in our lives and follow your example and make a difference in the lives of others. I think if we follow Jesus' example, we all will be fine. Ooh, that's a very good idea. He already created that for us. All we have to do is follow his footsteps. (laughs) Well said. Thank you, Carmel. Thank you. Years ago, 
there was a billboard up near Ogden, a city in northern Utah, and it was a picture of Mother Teresa with her hands reaching out to just the unseen other. And the words reaching beyond yourself were printed below her picture. I remember passing that because as I saw it, I remember jotting down notes of people I needed to call and follow up with, people that might need my help. Um, just that one billboard made me stop and think for a minute, get outside my own head about what I had going on in my own crazy world and think about um, other people that I could reach out to to do things. Carmel Claremont is one of these people who has created her whole life story around doing this on a daily basis. It's the work she does here in the United States, and it's the work that she takes back two or three times a year to Haiti, trying to help and educate these children who don't have this chance. She said to me, I believe with my heart and soul, those that give always have more in return. Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. One of my greatest accomplishments on earth is becoming a mother, she said. I think I was born to be a mother, not only to my own kids, but also to others I come and have encounters with. My aunt raised me. I grew with a lot of love, and I see other children that do not have that. I always said to myself, I want to be the best mom that I can be, unquote. I hope you've enjoyed Caramel's story today. Very interesting. It's very open. It's very much about creating that difference in the world, creating, and she's, she's very purposeful about creating her life story and creating other people's or making other people's stories better. This week, your challenge as you move forward is to maybe do what I did when I saw that Mother Teresa billboard. Just take a minute and think, what can I do? And maybe that involves hopping onto the Claremont Care Center website and, you know, donating 10 bucks to them or sponsoring a child for $30 a month if you have the means to do that. Because that creates, that makes sure that a child can go to school every single day for that month, which is phenomenal. Um, and she also, as I was speaking with her later, mentioned how when they when they set this up for the kids, that the kids always have a meal every day. That part of that sponsorship means that they get a meal every day because sometimes it's the only meal they're going to get. So that's that's a big deal. But whether it's at the Claremont Care Center or whether it is people that are around you in your story, um, take a minute this week and jot down a couple names or do something to make a difference. And we'll see you next week. As always, um, love it. If you would either share this episode or go to the website, loveyourstorypodcast.com and choose one of the other 80 plus episodes that you think might um, touch somebody else that might inspire or empower or help somebody else in their along their path today in their life story share that share one that's my call to action share one episode with somebody else with just a little note that says hey um, i was listening to this and thought that you would really enjoy or get something out of this share the love um, it makes a difference by small and simple things we'll see you next week